with thanksgiving I come into your house this morning. Thank you, Lord.
with thanks, Lord, because you've been so good to me, because you've protected me, Lord.
this was written by King David, one of the lowest points in his life. When his own son had usurped his throne, trying to usurp his throne, and was out to kill him. One of his favorite sons, by the way, the son he had hopes for, was out to get him. Now, I don't think you could get much lower than that. Your own, kid, your own child is trying to kill you. Your own son. But something in David, you know, I, I admire David because he went through so much. Some of his own, he created himself, and some of it just happened to him. But somewhere inside him, there's a reservoir. And in us, there's got to be a reservoir. You're always going to go through rough times. You're always going to go through times where you feel like you're at the lowest point in your life. But because of David's attitude towards God, because of his relationship with God, he had a reservoir to pull from. He said, even in this point in my life, God, you're still my shield. God, you're still my protector, God. Oh, I will not be afraid. Oh, of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Come on, you got to tell yourself this. Bible. We're going to have a special service. We've got evangelists coming. And uh, we feel that we need to, as a church, ready ourselves. You know, I think about, when I think about the church, sometimes I think about the operating room, the surgeons fixing to come in and operate. How that, that operating room needs to be sterile. 
needs to be cleaned out. It needs to be a, a place where nothing can come in from the outside and infect it because we're doing de delicate operations. And sometimes I feel like we should do that as a church, that we need to purify the atmosphere, as, as it were, so that when somebody comes in here needing a touch from God and needing to be operated on by the Holy Ghost, that we've created an atmosphere for that to happen. Come on now. We need to create an atmosphere where the Holy Ghost can do its work. We can hinder the move of the Spirit, by the way. We can hinder what God wants to do with our flesh and our carnality. So what we, we feel like we should do this week is have is prayer and fasting. And I would like you to pick a day. In fact, let's let's do it right now. If you want to if you want to fast Monday, can you let me know? Lifting a hand. You can fast Tuesday, you let me know. Wednesday, this thank you. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Let's have all the days covered at least. Tuesday night we'll be having prayer to the church. The focus is on, I believe it's on Kids Rock, Children's Ministries, but I feel like as a church we should make an effort to be here Thursday, Tuesday night. I encourage you to be here. Let's pray together. That's what happened in the book of Acts. When they prayed together, the place was shaken and God moved. So let's pray together. Let's believe together for this coming couple weeks that God would just explode in this place and pour out his spirit in a great measure. Amen. God, let's, let's pray for our pastors. Continue to lift them up before the Lord. God keeps and protects them. Amen. If you have a need here tonight, you make it known by lifting up your hand. God sees every hand. This altar is open if you'd like to come forward to be prayed for or prayed with. Let's go to the Lord in prayer together, shall we? Father, we love you. We thank you for your mercy and your grace upon us. God, we thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be in your house to worship you and to praise you and to magnify you. God, we pray that you'd have your way in this place. You see every hand that was raised, Lord. You know every need that's here today. And know by your great power that you can move at mountains. And you can bring healing and deliverance, God, in every case, God. And we're believing you this morning, Lord Jesus. Have your way today, God, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's pray together, church. God, we love you. Oh, we need you today, Jesus.
Praise the Lord. Are we so thankful we serve a God that that answers prayer? Praise God, praise God. Why don't you look over to your neighbor and uh, maybe get out into the aisle and maybe just shake hands with somebody maybe you haven't met before. Why don't you just step out a little bit and show some kindness to one another this morning? Now, I'm not talking about talking to the person next to you. Why don't you get out of your aisle a little bit, show a little bit of kindness, let somebody know that you are so glad to see them in the house of the Lord on a Sunday morning. Yep, it means you might have to get up. I know it's tough to be kind. I get it. But it feels good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Oh, come on, somebody. It feels good. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Praise God. Praise God. I don't know about you, but there's something about being in a place where you at least feel like you're amongst friends. We're trying to figure this thing out together. The choir ain't smiling at me. They about, they about tired of me already, right? Praise the Lord. Can we give the Lord another round of applause? Can we just honor him? Praise God. Praise God. I bring you greetings this fine Sunday morning on behalf of our pastors, Rick and Alexa. Olson, I know that they're traveling and at conference, but don't we miss them around here? I know they'll be back here next week, uh, but they are having a good time. Continue to keep them um, in prayer, but on, behalf, on their behalf, I do give greetings to all of our, our guests. Can we give all of our guests a round of applause? Thank you so much for being here this morning. We will love an opportunity to meet and to, to, get, uh, to greet you uh, in our guest reception immediately after service. Uh, so if you could, uh, so hang around and let us have an opportunity to, uh, to catch up with you before you uh, depart. Praise the Lord. Uh, to my Hispanic families, Alavado, Ciel, Senor, Mis Amigos, God bless you. Glad you are here. Praise the Lord, my friends. I do have a, a few announcements uh, to make uh, this morning. This Tuesday, we'll be having our international uh, Bible study at 7 p.m., which is our Spanish and English and Portuguese-speaking Bible study, which will be in the Fred Olson Center, which is the brick building here on campus at 7 p.m. on Sunday, or on Tuesday, I'm sorry, come out and join us for that. Um, as I already mentioned, we are having prayer uh, here in this building also on Tuesday night with that focus being um, around our Kids Rock and our Sunday school age children, um, those that are working with our young people. But again, as already mentioned, um, as we prepare for revival, I do encourage everyone to, to come out and join us here at 7 p.m. on Tuesday for uh, focused prayer um, and corporate prayer here in this building. Uh, we will be having, uh, somebody say, revivals in the land. We will be having revival beginning next Sunday with our evangelist, Brother Nathan Holzman. Uh, that will be next Sunday, October the 1st in our a.m. and p.m. service. And then again on October the 4th in our... 7 p.m. service, and then again on October the 8th in our a.m. and p.m. service. So I encourage you to invite someone to join us for at least one of those events uh, for a revival. And I pray that God moves, uh, continues to move at Church of Pentecost. Amen. 
As we're looking ahead, we have our Christmas banquet, which is coming up here in December the 1st. I believe you can already uh, make payments uh, towards that. It is uh, $50 uh, per person. Um, and if you're like me, you like to budget things out. So that is approximately about $5 a week from now until then. So I think we can swing that, right? Maybe not. <laughs> That's all the announcements that I have this morning. We're going to have go ahead and have our ushers to make their way as we take up this morning's offering. Amen. The psalmist asks in Psalms 116 and 12, it says, What shall I render unto the Lord for all of his benefits towards me? So in other words, the psalmist is asking the simple question, how can I give back to the Lord? How can I show some reciprocity to the Lord for all that he is doing in my life, but not just in my life, but in my family and in my household, all that is connected to me. So this morning as we go before the Lord in prayer, this is our opportunity to give back out of obedience, out of sacrifice for all of his goodness. So let's go before the Lord in prayer, shall we? Lord, in the name of Jesus, we thank you this morning, Lord, we come to you today to honor you in your house. We come to present our tithes and our offerings to you as our gift of obedience and sacrifice to you. Lord, we invite you into our plans. We invite you into our finances this morning as we know it is only you that can teach us how to profit. This morning, we say thank you for your goodness. We say thank you for your kindness in our life and let our giving be honest, an honest reflection of her goodness and be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. In your precious and holy name we pray, in Jesus' name. Can we put our hands together one more time and just honor the Lord for being good. God bless.
to teach my niece the Bible study. And when they were, when she was four years old, they all moved in with us when my brother divorced. And she's 28 now. And God has now opened a door, and she's so hungry for the word of God that it is blessing me in crazy ways, y'all. It's so cool to see her lap up scripture. Like, it's just her lifeline. And I believe it is. And so, if you'll help me pray for her, I know God's getting ready to pour his spirit out on her because she's like so ready. And I'm just thankful that there's that river for her to step into. And it it might take you a long time. It might take several decades sometimes. But God is still working even when we don't see it, right? So we're going to sing about living in the overflow.
Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. Amen. Won't you give the Lord another hand clap of thanksgiving? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. It's always good to be in the house of the Lord. And uh, thank God for this opportunity uh, again today as I stand up here in the absence of Pastor Rosen. And I want to give them honor, Pastor Sister Rosen, honor today. Amen. And I also honor you being here and all of our guests. We're so privileged for you to be here today with us as well. Amen. For a few minutes, won't you turn with me? Thank you for standing in the book of John, the gospel of John chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. And uh, John chapter 3, the gospel of John chapter 3, verse 1 through 7. Our scripture is taken from the King James, old King James version of the Bible. It says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Verse 7 says, Marvel not, don't that I said unto thee, thee must be born again. For a few moments this morning, I want to teach on this subject with the help of the Lord, uh, experiencing the new birth. Why don't you pray with me right now? Father God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for, again for this opportunity, God, to stand behind this pulpit. In, in, in honor of Pastor Sister Olson and God, in honor of these great people of God, I pray, Father, that you will anoint me. Your word is already anointed, but I need you to anoint me. God, help me to deliver the word today. Oh, God, I give you praise and I give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated, experiencing the new birth. The primary, the primary purpose of Jesus coming from, from heaven to earth is stated in Luke chapter 19. Verse 10, where he says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, the question that I have for, 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 for myself and as well as for you today, how did man uh, put himself in the predic predicament to where he became so lost and separated from God? How did he put himself in that predicament? So we go back to the book of Genesis, and we look at Genesis chapter, beginning with Genesis chapter 2, verse 8. And nine, and the Bible says, and, and the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground God made the, made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You know, as I, as I read that verse of scripture, those two verses of scripture, I see that you know, God has, has always provided for the needs of mankind. Always, God has always been concerned about man and his needs as well. And then we look further in the Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, and it says, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to, to dress it and to keep it, to dress it and keep it. You know, and I believe also that God wants us to take care of things. 
when God blesses us, whatever God blesses you with, he wants you to take care of it. So he put Adam in, in the garden to dress it and to keep it. And also to, to, to work. God want, intended for us also not to be idle. How many believe that? God wants you to work. God don't want you to be idle. So he put Adam in the garden to, 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 to dress it and to tend it, to keep it. And, uh, you know, I believe that every person that is saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, this is my belief. Every person that is saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, God wants you to be involved in doing something for the church. I believe that. Amen. Just like God put Adam in the garden and he put him in there uh, to keep it and to tend it. And so, as we go back and look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 through 17 again, looking at how man got himself into the predicament of being lost and separated from God. And the Bible says, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. You know, God, here God reminded Adam that he had a responsibility. And we all have a responsibility. And that responsibility is to obey the word of God. Yeah, he said, told Adam, he said, you can eat of every tree of the garden. Thou may eat freely, but the tree that's in the midst of the garden, thou shalt not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For in the day that you eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. So we, as a people, has a responsibility to obey God's word. You see, God here is reminding Adam that his word was going, was going to be the standard for how he was going to live his life. The word of God is the standard for how we live our life. And this is what he was telling Adam here. Also, we see here that God was giving Adam a choice to make a decision. You know, God gives us a choice. He doesn't. He gives us a choice. You have a choice to serve God or you have a choice not to serve God. You have a choice to do what God say or not to do what God say. So he gave Adam here a choice. He gave him freedom, freedom of choice. But also with that freedom of choice, God also set a boundary. Now God gives us freedom, but along with the freedom, he, he sets boundaries for us. So he told, told Adam, he said, you can, uh, for, for don't eat the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest, eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So God set a boundaries. And you know, when God set boundaries, they are for our protection. They are for our protection. You know, example of a setting a boundary. You tell your kids, you say, well, you can go out in the yard and play, but don't go into the streets. Don't play in the streets. But you can play in the yard, but don't play in the street because if you play in the streets, there's a possibility a car might run over you. So he give you freedom, but it also, God, give you boundaries. But if we cross those boundaries that God has set for for us, what happens is that we bring harm to ourselves. 
that. When, you, when we cross the boundaries that God has set for us, we bring harm to ourselves. And so that's what happened to Adam and Eve. They crossed the boundaries. They disobeyed God and, and his word. And so what happened was it brought spiritual death. And then eventually it brought physical death. This is how we got ourselves in the situation that we're in today. Because the Bible tells us in Romans 6 and 23, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So Adam and Eve got themselves in a terrible predicament. Ezekiel 18 and 20 says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. You see? So God reminded Adam that if he ate of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, there was going to be some consequences to, to his actions. Anytime we disobey God, there's going to always be consequences to our actions. They may not come immediately. Just like when Adam didn't die physically, he died spiritually immediately, but he didn't die physically for a while. But there's always consequences when we disobey the word of God. Everything that, that God has, you know, you know, sin changes everything that is good. Sin changes everything that is good. And so we look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. And then it says, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and it was a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Now she took of it, and then she gave it to Adam. So, you know, really, and sin affects everybody and everything. It affects everybody and everything. So she gave it to Adam. And Adam, we know the story, he ate willingly, willfully. So what they did, and what they did was they violated the law of God because he told them, hey, don't eat of that tree. And so they violated the law of God. And in 1 John chapter 3, verse 4 says, whoever committed sin transgresses also the law. For sin is the transgressions of the law. They did it. It, it. God said, don't eat, and they went on and did opposite of what God said. And that's one of the things that most people do today would do exactly opposite of what God said. And so the Bible says their eyes were open. They, their eyes was open. You know, the thing is, is that when Eve saw the tree, the Bible says the tree looked good to her. It, 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 was, it looked it good, and then it was pleasant to her eyes. That means it felt good. It looked it good, and it felt good. You know, sin always feels good in the beginning. It does. That's why people do it, because it feels good in the beginning. And it even looked good in the beginning. And then she said to herself, she said, in other words, how I, I can now make my own decisions, you know. That's what she wanted to be separated from God. She wanted to be independent from God. 
And that's the way it is with most people today. That's, that's the way it is with the world today is that we want to live our life uh, independent from God. You know, when, when it decided to say a tree to make her wise, she, she felt like, you know what? I don't need God to make, tell me how I need to live my life. I don't need God to tell me what I can do and what I can't do. I can make my own choice now about my life, you see. And that's the way it is. That's the way it is with most people today. They, wanna, they don't want God making decisions for them. They want to make their own decisions about their life. I don't need God to tell me that I, don't need, I can't do this. I don't need God to tell me I can't do that. Uh, and so Adam and Eve... They, now they felt like they can make their own choice about life and about what is right and about what is wrong. So we look further and we think about how the devil, one of the things about the devil is that that's what he wants. He wants to get you to thinking that you don't need God and that you can, you're smarter than God and you can make your own decision about your life and about what's good for you and what's not good for you. And so we're looking at Genesis 3 and 7. I'm talking about how we got into the situation that we're in. And the Bible says the eyes of them both were open and they knew. In other words, God didn't have to tell them. Their conscience told them. They knew they were naked. And then they sewed fig leaves together to make themselves aprons or clothing. You see, once you ate of that tree, they was conscious now. They was aware of something that God did not want them to be aware of. He didn't want them to be aware of evil. And so when they realized that they were naked, the Bible says they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. You see, I can say one thing about Adam and Eve. That generation is one generation up on us because at least when they realized they were naked, they put some clothes on. When they realized they were naked, they put some clothes on. And that's something that we can't say for our generation today. Yeah. Many, of our, many people today walk around with no clothes on, not knowing that they're naked. But Adam and Eve, when they realized they were naked, they put some clothes on. The Bible says their eyes were wide open. That means they had an awareness of evil. So they sold fig leaves together to try to hide that nakedness from God. Just like Adam and Eve, mankind is always trying to come up with some type of covering for the things that they do wrong without looking to Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Always trying to find some means to cover up their wrong. In Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6 says that we are all an unclean thing. All of our righteousness are as filthy rags. No matter what we do, no matter what little righteousness we do compared to the righteousness and holiness of God is, is as filthy rags. Now if we look at Genesis chapter 3, 
verse 8, and we say, And then as they heard the voice of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God among the trees of the garden. You see, first of all, this is what sin does. Number one, it causes you to hide from God, from his presence. Sin brings shame and it brings guilt. It also made, made them uncomfortable in the presence of God. That's what sin does. It, it brings shame. It brings guilt. It makes you feel uncomfortable in the presence of a holy God. Also, it separates. It brings separation. It separates us from God. And that's a place we really don't want to be. Is separated from God. But that's what happened when they realized that they, when their eyes was open, and when God called them, they hid from God. And that's what sin does. You see, everything that God had prepared and created for Adam and Eve to make their life much easier had now become more difficult and harder. Yeah. Sin, we understand, makes life difficult and harder. And then so God told the woman in Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, he said unto Eve, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And then he said to Adam in, in chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 and 19, he, he said unto Adam, he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I command thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. Thou shalt eat the herb of the field. And in the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread till thou return unto the ground. For out of it was thou taken. For dust thou art, and unto dust shall thou return. See, now everything was going to be difficult. Everything was going to be hard. He was going to have to work and struggle now. When he was in the garden, everything was easy. You see, when you, when you stay with God, you know, when you, when you walk with God and you stay with God, amen, think God will help you to make th things to be easier. But when you get outside of the will of God and you start trying to live your life without God, things are going to be hard. It's going to be tough. So now they had to struggle to survive. Now he was going to have to work for his food. Well, before God provided everything that he needed. But what I love about God, most of all, is that even if, if when we mess up, he gives us an opportunity to get it right. Even when we mess up, God gives us an opportunity to get it right. And so that's what I like about God. It doesn't matter. You see, we're born, the Bible says, we're, we're born into sin because we have a sinful nature. But all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But I thank God that he gives us an opportunity to get it right. In John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus said, in order to have eternal life, a man has to be born again has to be born again. 
In other words, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Except the man be born again, in other words, you cannot not even have an understanding of the things of God. Except you be born again. And I want to say this morning that the greatest life experience that we all could ever have in our life, the greatest experience we can ever experience is to be born again. Greatest experience. And when Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's it's what Jesus is saying. You got to be born again. You must be born again so that you can see the kingdom of God. Apostles, Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4, he says, But if our, if, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon them. In, in other words, if the gospel of Jesus Christ is here to you, this is here to them that are lost. Because God wants you to understand the gospel. God don't want no man to be lost. He said, above all things, I wish that no man would perish, that all men would repent and come to the knowledge of the truth. But Paul writes and says, if this gospel be hid, then this gospel is hid to them that are lost. What gospel is we talking about? We're talking about the gospel that Jesus mentioned in John chapter 3. This is the gospel that the apostles preached in Acts chapter 2. This is the gospel that they preached in Acts chapter 8. And it's also the gospel that they preached in Acts chapter 10. The gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. It's not but one gospel. So going back to our text in John chapter 3, Jesus said again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except the man be born of water and of the Spirit, he should not nowise enter the kingdom of God. And when he said verily, verily, what he was doing was he was putting emphasis on it. He emphasized it. He said, hey, it's, it's important. It's important. It's utmost important that you be born again. And Nicodemus came to him in John chapter 3, verse 4, and, and Nicodemus said unto, unto Jesus, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? How can this happen? Man is always constantly trying to look for ways to make himself better without God. Always trying to look for ways to make themselves better without God. How can this be? How can a man be born when he's old and enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? But Jesus tells us how we can change and have a better life and what we must do in order to be born again. And this is what he says in John chapter 3 verse 5. Jesus answered and said, verily Verily I say unto you, except 
a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. What is being born of water? What, does he, what, what is Jesus saying here? Now, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus is speaking these words. Born of water, that means that we must be what? Baptized for the remission of our sins. It's important. That's part, that's part of God's plan of salvation is that you be baptized. And how are you to be baptized? Well, you ought to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. For the remission of sin, because the Bible says, For there is no other name under heaven given amongst men, whereby we what? Must be saved. So except the man be born of water. So you got to be born of water. And also of the spirit. Also of the spirit. What does it mean by being born of the spirit? Well, what he's talking about here is that you have to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in another tongue. Being born of the spirit. And Jesus says this in John chapter 3, verse 8. He said, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it comes, and whether it goes, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So when you're born of the Spirit, that's going to be a sound. That's going to be a sound. That's what he said. You hear the sound thereof. It's the new birth. So when you, when you repent of your sins and you, you're water baptized in Jesus' name and you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, then what you're actually doing is you are obeying the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are obeying the gospel of Jesus Christ because the gospel of Jesus Christ is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what the gospel is. You see, when man got himself in the predicament of being lost and separated from God, God was always looking for a way to reconcile man back to himself. God wanted to restore mankind, wanted to restore us back to the way it was in the beginning. But in order to do that, you got to be born again. You got to be born again. You got to be, and that's the great, as I said, that's the greatest experience. The experience of the new birth is being born again. Because that's the only way that our life can be changed. The only way our life can be better is to be born of the water and of the spirit. So we're buried with him through water baptism. Baptism, water baptism is considered as being buried with Christ. So you're buried with Christ. If you die, you repent, then you die. If you repent, that means you're dying out to the old life. Then when you die, you bury it. They bury you. And then you get up and you're raised to the newness of life. So <clears throat> that's the new birth experience. That's how you experience the new birth. But how do we get ourselves in that predicament? Same way we got ourselves in the predicament, God made a way for us to get out of that predicament through the new birth experiences. Let's stand this morning. Hallelujah.
Thank you, Jesus. I don't know, this morning, I'm pretty sure everybody here today has been, most of you have probably been baptized in Jesus' name. Most of you have the Holy Ghost. But there's some, there may be someone here today that have not yet been baptized in Jesus' name. And there may be somebody today that have not received the gift of the Holy Ghost. But it's important because you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. In other words, you can't enter into God's kingdom unless you are born again. You see, a lot of times, you know, people come and some churches, they say you can come and you can give your, you can join the church and we'll give you the right hand of fellowship. But in reality, that's not right because you got to be born into the church. You can't join the church. You got to be born into the church. You got to be born into the kingdom of God. And so, if you're here today and you have not been born again, this is an opportunity for you to experience the new birth. We're all sinners. We can't save ourselves. Only God can save us, and he died to save us. Just think about what he, just think about how your life was, how you lived, and the things you've done. But one day, just think about it, he saw your need, he knew where you was, and he began to draw you to himself. And once God draws you, and once God touches you, your life will never be the same again. Even though you may backslide. Your life still won't be the same. Because when God makes changes in your life, he makes permanent changes. God do, can do something inside of us that, no, that we can't even do ourselves. He do a work in our hearts. And when our hearts are changed, then we are changed. So I'm going to open up this altar. If you want to come, you want to pray today. And if you haven't experienced a new birth, I want to invite you to come and we can we can baptize you we got clothes we got a baptistry and if you want the Holy Ghost we'll pray with you to get the baptism of the Holy Ghost so this altar is open let's come down let's pray together Lord God in the name of Jesus I thank you today Father God I thank you Lord for you that even as thinking about Adam and how he and Eve how it they got into the predicament that we were in, God. And that through that predicament, that disobedience and how they died, God, and how they brought sin into the world. But you made a way, God, that we could be able to live again and not die, that we can have life. And I thank you for that, God. I thank you for providing a way for us to have life and to be able to live and have an experience with you. Father, I pray today, God, that you would continue, Lord, to touch and continue to help us, oh God, to get closer to you, Lord. Help us to be all that we need to be, God. Give us strength. Give us that hunger and that desire. Don't never, never let us lose that hunger and that desire for your kingdom and more of you, God. Thank you for your word, God. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, that the experience of being born again. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We love you, God. Bless each and every person here today. Touch them, Lord. Keep them and provide for them, Lord. Whatever they need, healing they need, deliverance they need, God, provide it, Lord. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord.